Lakers took game four, 102-96. We're going to break it all down for you. And we hear from the Players Union about the negotiations to start next season. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the league, whether it's the NBA Finals, the offseason, free agency, the bubble. We've got it all here. And on the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Really, the only daily show breaking down everything you want, basically the second it happens. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. John, Lakers yes. took game four, go up 3-1. I, I don't even know where to start in a game that at times could have been called the KCP game. I know, right? Like if you're losing to Contavious Caldwell Pope, but that's that's really the difference in this game. They the the Lakers had been struggling. KCP, Danny Green, uh Kuzma has been well, Kuzma's been okay, but like the the um the KCP and Danny Green combination has especially been bad. In this one, 10 for 20 overall, 5 for 14 from 3, but you got 25 points combined from those two guys. And and for a while, it didn't look like Danny Green was going to hit anything, but for him to finish shooting 50%, KCP to shoot 50%, I mean, that's the difference right there. If the Heat had had um, Goran Dragic, who – Gave it a go, tried to give it a go beforehand. Yeah, he really, really tried. Uh, they they got basically very little out of Kendrick Nunn. And there's, I think the difference in this game, aside from the obvious like stars playing like stars, but it was those two guys for the Lakers and the Heat struggling to find other guys to really give that same impact. And Kendrick Nunn not being able to match one of those two guys I think that's the difference in, in this game. Uh, it's definitely part of it. And we'll, we'll get into the star guys in, in a minute or two. And we'll talk kind of about the flow of this game because this one was tight. It was fun. Like I really enjoyed this finals game. Like, and I kind of hate Anthony Davis and the Lakers right now. So that's saying <laughs> something um, with it all. And I have a lot of thoughts on ED, which ended up being a really good game for him. And at times it wasn't looking like it was same for LeBron too. the Lakers, both those guys in the second half, really, really stepping up bam out of bio going in this one it's it's kind of like you said like uh, kcp the reason i led with him and that was more of a joke is he hit two big shots late in the fourth that really started to kind of seal it when you saw the lakers pulling away really in the final five minutes of this game but the miami heat you know you, you get bam out of bio back in this one and he's Im impactful though I, I don't know if you want to say limited in this but because i don't think he was Jimmy Butler was interesting in this one, not the heroic performance from game three. And they just didn't have like other guys who could really get it going. And that's kind of what they needed. And maybe that guy is Drogic, though an injured Drogic on that injury. I don't know exactly how much he's going to contribute. Yeah, no, he's, he's, I think he's done. Um, you could yeah. see it. You could see it. My heart broke for Drogic when they show that video of him on the sideline and you can read his lips saying, I can't. And you can see him starting to tear up. 
here's a guy that is is in probably maybe his only finals that he's ever going to play in and he can't even play now it's it's just heartbreaking but so no no Drogic. you brought up kcp i thought that was like I know you're saying you're joking, but like that's serious. No, it was a big point. Um, but like, if, if he hits those shots, and if Rondo even plays as well as he did in this one, and Rondo was one of seven in this game and right. didn't hit the first field goal of the game for him, the first shot he made was late in the fourth quarter, and he felt massively impactful. Whether it was offensive rebounds, whether it was the right feeds at the right time, if those guys are playing like that and and impacting the game like that, and the Heat just don't get it going and it never really felt like they did despite playing well like yeah like that's the difference yeah and and going back to the out of bio point i thought in the second quarter he was really starting yes. to take over he had a big second quarter where he was he was attacking he looked like he did against the celtics in the conference finals and that was like a kind of okay well here we go i felt like miami was really really had a chance thought there was a point there in the third was it the third quarter or so where he might have aggravated that injury? Yeah, he had a look on his face where you're like, wait a second, did something just yeah. happen? But he had a couple plays right after that where he looked fine. So I don't, it's tough to, it, we're, and we're recording this right after the game. Like the buzzer just sounded basically. So we, we might be missing some context around things that come out a little bit later. But out of bio on the night, getting him back's big, but in 33 minutes, just six six of eight, which is great, 75%, but you feel like he needs to take more than eight shots, 15 points, seven rebounds, and he did feel impactful out there, certainly, but it's, again, it's it, did this heat, did the heat team in this, at least offensively, and I want to get into them defensively in a second, just kind of leave you, like, wanting a little bit more, like, they just needed, like, yeah. something, and they just weren't able to get it at any point in time. Yeah, I think when the Miami Heat offense is at its best, Bam Adebayo is passing. To have him just have one assist in this game is a, is a mm-hmm. pretty big indicator of how how the Miami offense struggled. And look, credit the LA defense. I thought both of these teams had tremendous defensive yes. games, um, and and that contributes to a lot of these things. Adebayo limited. Uh, they I thought they played him well. I thought they took away lanes for him to to pass and then i think they forced miami into kind of a little bit of a panic mode and tyler hero is part of the reason why bam out of bio i think couldn't quite get going and i think tyler hero was a little i'm gonna say panicked i don't know if panicked is the right word but he was he was playing too fast and trying to do a little too much and i don't think they ran it through out of bio enough, but Miami, I thought did a good job in trying to take that away as well. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta credit their defense, but I, I do think that they put the weakest points of Miami's offense under the, the spotlight. And like I said, hero played, I think nervously, uh, I'm still, I'm not sure what the right word is, but he did play too fast. And, and that kind of, I think got the Miami heat out of their rhythm. Yeah, I definitely think it did. And I think their offense in this one, uh, at, at times, you know, they scored 96 points. This wasn't a high-scoring game, and you mentioned the defense. And I think at times they got a little bit lucky forcing some Laker turnovers and getting some points out of that when they've struggled in the half court in the series at times. And part of that is because so, – so Anthony Davis, we can jump into him maybe. So defensively – so Anthony Davis was quiet for the first – 
three quarters of this game, pretty much. Like he felt like it was almost not as bad as game three was, but he was having a disappointing game in terms of what you felt from him. Defensively, though, he was good. Through all yeah. the whole game, all four quarters, he showed why he finished runner-up in defensive player of the year. He he was awesome on that side of the ball. You got enough out of LeBron there, and, Le- and I think that's kind of what also slowed the heat down. When you have AD playing defense like that, there's almost no team that's going yeah. to be able to get their offense going. And yet, going back to Adebayo, you saw him struggle when he did get the ball down low against yeah. Anthony Davis. Uh, that That's – and I saw Kendrick Perkins tweeting like that. That's the real defensive player of the year out there. Uh, but that's, that, that's the type of impact that he had. Uh, and, and when you're struggling or you're, you're not quite, you don't quite have your offense going. And I don't want to say he struggled. He just didn't take enough shots in the first half. Um, to have that defensive pressure to keep Miami, um, uh, at bay, I thought that what they really did was they did a great job after the first quarter of keeping Jimmy Butler in check. And so Jimmy Butler scored, what, 10 points in the first first quarter and, and 12 the rest of the way. And the, Their defense on him was good. Yeah. Just and daring him to shoot and giving going under every screen that was set for him and giving him a huge cushion and going like, Yep. You got to shoot. And he, he has not wanted to shoot threes in this series. And he took three tonight. He missed all of them and trying to force them out of that rhythm and not let, if Jimmy Butler is going to beat you draining threes, you're probably like, okay, we lose the shrug emoji and like, let's move on to the next game and like whatever. And the heat actually did this to LeBron through the first half too, where LeBron's shot was kind of inconsistent. And they're like, okay, we're not going to try and fight through screens here. Let you get matched up with Tyler Hero. We're just going to show and then really sag off and dare you to shoot threes. And then LeBron started making those in the second half. It's another difference in the game right there. Yeah. But I mean, the point about the, uh, the defense on Butler, Anthony Davis was out there defending on the perimeter. He got, he got reps on Butler and did a pretty decent job. Uh, they, the, the Lakers made an adjustment of not playing Dwight Howard a week ago. We sat here and I said, they cannot play Dwight Howard against, um, yeah. against these guys. And once, once Butler came back and it, I'm sorry, once uh, at came back, that became pretty clear uh, again. But Anthony Davis is out there, switch on the Butler, doing a decent job, getting back, defending the rim. I mean, again, both teams played really, really great defense. It, it, it was the role players, but then obviously LeBron James and Anthony Davis making big shots. But Anthony Davis really keyed the Lakers' defensive effort. Jimmy Butler wants to get to the rim. Jimmy Butler did get a lot of free throws, but he didn't get a lot of finishes at the rim. He didn't get a lot of clean looks, a lot of comfortable looks. And that's that all stems from Anthony Davis. So the Lakers defensively, I mean, he's he was definitely the focal point of their success on that end. Yeah. So let's let's keep this going into the next segment because I want to dive into Anthony Davis and his offense and the heat defense on him too, I thought was kind of interesting. And they did a fantastic job through three quarters. And then that all went away really, really quickly. So that's all coming up here on the next segment of Locked on NBA. More on Anthony Davis. But before we get to that. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. John, I know you agree with me. Built Bar is just basically the best tasting protein bar ever. It's really that it's, simple. It's great. I and you know what the best part is? My gym actually carries them. They have a little pro they have a, a little nutrient nu- nutrition shop in the front. 
and they actually carry the built bar. So now that as I'm waiting for my shipment to come in, I can actually go there and buy some. So that's a huge plus for me. Look, we, we spend our own money on these things. We like them that much. And that's because they basically just taste like a candy bar. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not dry. They're not chalky like all those other protein bars you've had before. And frankly, they just come in amazing flavors like cookies and cream, caramel, brownie, lemon, almond, cheesecake, raspberry, German chocolate cake. Like I can go on and on and on. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar. Again, soft, easy to chew. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar is great for anyone who's just trying to be a little bit more health conscious, whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight. That's because the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. There's some that are 19 grams of protein, 180 calories. Some that are 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. And if you've ever tried Built Bar before and used the Locked On promo code, They've reset it because they've redone the formula and just made these things even more delicious. Now they're also going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast here daily for you all Monday through Friday, breaking down the biggest news, the biggest stories, and now the NBA Finals. And I want to dive into Anthony Davis here. We already talked about how defensively he, he was keyed in. He was fantastic in game four and a big reason why the Heat struggled. But offensively, he was quiet through the first three quarters. And I was getting kind of worried that, one, well, maybe the series was going to swing and it was going to end up 2-2 because AD needs to almost be the best player for the Lakers in order for them to win, I think, at times. Yeah, I mean, he needs to be the matchup problem that he is, right? Like he he hit some big threes, which obviously that's that's a big deal. Uh, what was he from three? Two of four from three. I mean, him and LeBron combining for four for nine from three is huge. Uh, but you know, he he needs to be that that matchup problem. Plus, four assists is is big because you're going to try to double him. If you can't double him, and if he's finding guys, then then you're you're toast. You you, you got nothing. No, exactly. And the Heat kind of did it all right for the first three quarters. It's, just, it's tough to keep a guy who's that good down for that long. They kept him out of the paint. They fronted him really well defensively and pushed him away from the basket. They completely abandoned the zone. I didn't see it very often in this game. Tried to just get, uh, front him, and then whenever he got the ball down towards the post, doubled him and forced the ball out of his hands. And especially in the third quarter, he's playing just largely on the perimeter. He was out at the three-point line acting as a screener, and he hits those threes, yes, and he hit a three in this game late in the fourth that was basically the dagger in the game, and that was the end of it. But if he's living out there on the perimeter, the Heat are going to be really, really happy, and they were doing such a good job on him. And then he got hit by Alex Caruso after Butler pushed Caruso into him, went down injured, Lakers call a timeout. And then after that, he looked like a different player and just closed the game out, I think, for the Lakers for the most part. Yeah, I still feel like, and I don't want to reduce this down to um, wanting it or not wanting it, but I still feel like the Lakers aren't taking Miami quite as seriously as an opponent. Uh, we saw LeBron struggle and we saw him and Anthony Davis almost seem like they're not on the same page a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And and then down the stretch, it just became, all right, lock in, let's do this. I, I really do feel like they weren't taking it quite as seriously. I mean, you come out of the half, and the first thing that you see, 
out of the Lakers offense was uh, Markeith Morris post-ups and um, Danny Green having way too much to do with the offense. Now I I did say that Danny Green did, did, you know, shoot well in the end and his contributions were, were important, but only he's like a spot up guy. He's a spot guy catching shooting. When you're running the offense through Danny Green, you're gonna have a problem. Like that is not how this should work. Quarter that third quarter, they come out and they're like, Yeah, Danny Green, you know, Markeith, no problem. Go do your things. And we're like, What what are you what are you guys doing? And so then of course, yeah, the fourth quarter is gonna look great because it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis taking all of the shots (laughs) and not those two guys. So um, although I will say this, what the hell was Kelly Olynyk doing biting on a Markeith Morris up fake and fouling him at, at the three point line and giving him three free throws? I forget exactly. That was late in the game. And it, it was in the fourth quarter and, uh, yeah. it was on the left side and yeah, he, well, Morris has been hitting three. So like one of the things with the Lakers, let him that, take those. It, okay. That's fair. He was, he was two of seven. Like, yeah, probably let him take those. It, it's weird because the Lakers role players in this series and maybe in the previous one too, have just hit the most like timely threes. I think I can remember seeing particularly yeah. in game two and one, anytime the heat really started to get something going, it's like a Markeith Morris three or a KCP three or a Kuzma three. And it just kills any momentum that the heat have been building up. So maybe they're a little bit worried about that. I, I'm well, not sure. And the Lakers have been shooting really hot uh, for the most part, I think. Sure. But like, you, you've got to pick your poison yeah, right. and, and giving up that, that three pointer. If that's a shot and it goes in, you live with it. You have to live with it. If it's, um, but giving him the free throws is, is ridiculous. I, and I'm, I'm just trying to look through, trying to remember exactly where it was, but it doesn't even matter because it was a bad play and it doesn't matter. Um, it was tough three points to give up in that situation. You have to pick your poison. If he's going to make a shot, sure, you want to contest, but you don't want to be out of control. And they they made some plays that were out of control. And again, when when you're shorthanded, Olenek shouldn't have been out there in that situation anyway. But they ha- they kind of have no choice. And that when you have no choice, those are the types of things that happens. And like you said, it's it's. LeBron, it's Anthony Davis, and those guys stepping up, and and Davis especially waking up and becoming a beast down the stretch, and showing you like like Bam Adebayo at full strength is going to have problems with with Anthony Davis. Bam Adebayo at whatever percentage percentage he is right now, you just attack that all the time, and then you get him off the floor, and you just deal, you just try to play him off the floor. So I thought Davis. Yeah, I mean, Davis is Anthony Davis. This is why the Lakers are going to win a championship because Anthony yeah. Davis steps up when when he's supposed to and they're done screwing around with all of the, you know, KCP stuff as good as he was or, you know, Markeith Morris and, and Danny Green. Down the stretch, it's those two guys and they stepped up. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's really as simple as that. I did think the defense is part of the reason maybe why he was kind of quiet offensively through the first three quarters. But when that defense started to fade, he just actually went into attack mode and did everything that he should. And immediately out of that timeout after his injury, he came in and just threw down that lob from uh, Rondo in this one. And it's just 
yeah, when he's playing like that and woke up for whatever reason it was, you were, you're reminded why the Lakers gave up a whole lot to bring him over. And frankly, now that deal to the Pelicans actually looks kind of cheap for the Lakers, I think, to some degree with how well Anthony Davis has played and coming in big in the clutch after a no-show in game three. I guess before we wrap up talking about the game here, do we, wa- do we want to mention the challenge? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> we were talking about it before. That I was second hoping quarter, this yeah, game was going to come down second. to a final contested weird ref call and the Lakers wouldn't have a challenge and Twitter would just melt down. I really, if I was rooting for any one thing, I was with you on that. After it happened in always. the second quarter, yeah, after the second quarter when it happened, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I hope, I hope there's a critical play in the fourth quarter and they can't challenge it. It didn't happen. Actually, it might have happened. Um, there was a foul that LeBron uh, – was it LeBron that – it was a foul on him. They could have challenged it, but it, whatever. It didn't, it didn't end up being consequential. But that, the, the challenge in the second quarter where LeBron – I thought initially he blocked the shot too. And it just – the way it looked, the way – I think it was Tyler here, the way he released it, uh, it looked like it might have gotten deflected. So you challenge it, but whatever. It looked like a block shot, and it was going to be a ball, Miami ball underneath yeah. with what? Like it, the ball didn't touch the rim, so I don't know what was left on the shot clock. Not much. I, I'm not sure, but it was just – it's interesting that you but get one why? challenge, and why are you using it there in a finals game when at that point it was close? Like it had been a back-and-forth game. It just was – it ended up not being consequential. We don't need to spend that much time about it. But man, the like chaos ending in the the one out of fourteen million universes and realities that that could have gone would have been just nuts to me. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It, it, I I would have just said, just d up, you get a stop there, and and it wouldn't have mattered. And and then the Lakers came down. They won the challenge. They came down. They missed a shot. So whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor this point because it was such a. It's going to be a, something forgotten in the annals of history. But I was so irked by it when it happened. I think everyone I was. To, I had to. I had to mention it. I'm glad you brought it up. No, like we again. You have this. What it could have gone so weird. It just seemed a little odd. Like it's fine. No big deal, right? Ball don't lie, kind of thing. I guess overall with the game here, but ugh, that was that kind of a weird thing. So Lakers take game four, up three one in the series. Next game coming up Friday. And we're going to talk about the Players Association and Michelle Roberts, some comments she gave to The Athletic and what it could mean for next season, what next season might look like. Coming up here in just a second. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we just try and avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, babe, I'm just not feeling it tonight. Anything to just kind of move on from this, right? But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is just straightforward, simple, and discreet. And getting started is even easier. Go to, uh, just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. Again, GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. We're here daily for you all. No paywall, no anything like that. Just podcast on the league Monday through Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. John, Michelle Roberts spoke to The Athletic, kind of giving us a glimpse into the discussions between the league and the Players Association for next season, whenever that starts, sometime in 2021. Anything to jump out to you in that convo? I think when she said... Uh, we've got the golden goose here and neither side wants to kill it is I think the center of all of this uh, discussion where if we're looking at the, the league, they still see it as an intensely profitable league that went through something that this, you know, the entire world has gone through. It, it will return to, the level that I think they, they want like that. This is for lack of a better term, a temporary thing. And, and neither side is willing to go too crazy to, to go and uh, fight for some, some ridiculous thing. Like, and I've been a part of negotiations before Uh, I've been a union guy. I know that once a collective bargaining agreement opens up, all bets tend to be off and, and people tend to swoop in and be like, Hey, since we're talking, let's ask for blah, blah, blah. And that happens on both sides. It it doesn't seem like that would be the case uh, here. Michelle Roberts talked about how she and uh, Adam Silver have have spoken uh, at length. They continue to talk, even though it's not a formal negotiation at this point. Uh, she said that I, you know, basically we made a promise not to lie to each other. Tell me if you think I can't move on a, a topic, tell me, but don't lie to me about it. And, and once you do, then, then we are, our relationship changes. But I think just the overall health of the relationship and the health of these discussions is, is promising that we can move forward hopefully soon and, and start the business of, the NBA offseason and the beginning of next season. No, you make a really good point that this is look, labor negotiations tend to get pretty. Uh, I, I don't know the right tense? word for it, but yeah, ugly. Tense, that's probably the word. Yeah, ugly. Um, contentious is maybe the actual word yes. I'm looking for. And it seems like everyone just kind of wants to avoid that. They know what's in all of their best interests. And this isn't a time to force a lockout or force something else to try and get. 1% more of the BRI or anything like that and risk the right. long-term health of the league. This is just, look, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team in this, even if we're representing different sides, let's just get it done. And I think that is the smart approach. We don't know what sports are going to look like in the future right now. Things are still up in the air for a lot of things is the NFL is kind of going through some stuff with this right now. Um, and I'll ask you something about that in a second. And it's like, Maybe you have an opportunity to become more relevant than you've ever been before with it all. We've been glued to the NBA. We can get in the ratings thing another time. People are talking about the league. People are paying attention to the league. Don't do anything that harms that. And also people's lives and livelihoods are at stake too. So you've got to kind of keep that in mind that is it worth fighting for a small percentage or concession here if it means 
you put your guys in harm's way for a little bit or have to kind of go through something. It's got me thinking, though, and I talked about it on Lockdown Pels. I saw the NFL is considering docking draft picks if teams aren't following protocols. And as they've kind of talked about in this conversation about regional bubbles or what the league's going to do, and they're following closely what the NFL and MLB has been doing, you like the idea of if you have a Houston Rockets situation where a player needs to get sent home from the bubble, somehow finding a team or docking draft picks to make sure everyone is doing what's right and in the best interest of the league as a whole. If they have to do non-bubble type scenarios, then yes, I think there's a good argument for team punishments. No, it shouldn't be a draft pick because in the NFL, there's like, what, 30 rounds of the draft? When the NFL draft comes around, the thing lasts for a freaking week. So uh, taking away a draft pick from an NBA team is a little bit more consequential when there's only two rounds and there's not you just don't know at what point does taking away a draft pick does does taking away uh, a a pick from the LA Lakers mean the same thing as taking away a pick That's from fair. the you know Atlanta Hawks or That's or a really good point that it's uh, like guys drafted in the top fifteen are significantly more consequential for their team than a guy taken at thirty right or even gotcha. I'll even go another like a step further is a, a high second round draft pick yeah is super important to a team that's looking to maybe make a decision on a player. And it's a, a very good way to have a very fiscally sound signing and to take that away. It's just too important. It's too important. So a fine for sure. We can talk about fines for a punishment. If the next season starts with uh, games in home markets, but no fans this way, where we're looking at January and the Boston Celtics are walking around Boston and the New Orleans Pelicans are walking around New Orleans and putting themselves at risk for contracting something in a non-bubble situation, then it's on the teams to impress upon these guys to make sure they're not going to indoor clubs being stupid and exposing themselves to something. And uh, so there's got to be some level of punishment but at the same time, we did see with the Houston Rockets an extraordinary level of punishment by sending a key player yeah. home. Like that was that in itself was essentially a suspension, and yeah. that that could you could argue that that kind of changed the tenor of the Rockets' ability to to match up and and and. I'm not going to say it cost them the series, but it sure as hell didn't help. I'm not going to say that house is the reason that the the Rockets lost there, but I, I get what you're saying. It, but it's, no, but it's he's impactful. a useful player. He was an important player. And that that whole thing, that whole process taking him out of that series, you're right. Like it's not that's not gonna <laughs> it's it's not gonna cost them the series. But what it does is it you don't know. It hurts and it changes the it just changes the rotations. It changes how many minutes certain guys have to play. So you never know what one player can also do. For dynamics a within the team too. Like if, if I were a teammate, I'd be furious over something like that, especially right. if it does end up being impactful uh, or if it's a star player. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about as these conversations are clearly ongoing between the players association and the league. And I would not be shocked if we see some sort of, bargained or negotiated rules regarding that stuff for next season so that either players are protected and it's like, oh, I'm not the dude who cost the team a draft pick because you know what? That probably wrecks the rest of your career. 
and the impact oh, that it would yeah. have there. Oh yeah. So like, I think it's kind of interesting that like, are those going to be sticking points though, when it comes to all of this? So just shows how far we are from next season starting, even as this season, I guess, with the Lakers being up three, one starts to likely wind down on Friday. Yeah. I'm going to say that that's probably, although look, Miami does not give up. So I no, wouldn't put anything uh, past them, but as, yeah. we, as we wrap up today's show, like, look, all the credit in the world to the Miami Heat for battling and keeping game for closer than it could have been. Sure. I think is, is a way of saying it. Like they're clearly the underdog and that team fights and they, they're just a little bit short. And there's sometimes it's just the Lakers, you know, you're playing a team that's better than you. And it's kind of as simple as that. So, uh, and injuries of course have changed it a little bit as well. So I think that's as good of a point to stop as anywhere. I got one more thing to say. Oh Yes. Yes. Shout out to the Seattle Storm and Sue Bird, who's one of my favorite players of all time, on another championship. Four, count them, four rings for Sue Bird. Four Olympic gold medals, four world championships, four NBA championships, and oh, by the way, five Euro League titles, five Russian League titles, two NCAA titles. She is just a legend, Sue Bird, and I Gotta, I cannot end this podcast tonight without shouting out one of the greatest basketball players this game has seen, one of the greatest winners this game has seen. She's like the female Bill Russell in terms of rings. Yeah. She's awesome, and she's doing it in year 17. And uh, congratulations to Sue Bird and the Seattle Storm. What a, what a run. Undefeated in the playoffs. They did not lose. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect perfect storm there, there you go um also shout out jordan canada also on the seattle storm yeah. who is also brianna winward stewart high school <laughs> uh winward high school alum that's my high school too so that was there you really go. cool to see there we go but um no and also yeah oh, oh by the way finals mvp brianna stewart who's who may may end up being the best you know women's basketball player it's probably coming up like when, next, when yeah. <laughs> you know by the time she retires she's gonna be like the you know in line to to challenge like Deanna Tarazi and, and those for take, take uh, the throne there. So yeah, you're yeah. right. That's where we should end it. We did crown a basketball champion yesterday. So there you go. Uh, so that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of locked on NBA. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from on Wednesdays. I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the locked on Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at reds army underscore John on Twitter. And I host locked on Celtics. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.